harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Yeah, I, I, I battle with insecurity, anxiety, things I'll talk about probably every episode for a while till they're gone. Uh, listening to Mark Marin, he's recently said that it, it does go away. It gets better, so I'm, I'm pulling for those days. But it wasn't always like this. I was a very... Uh, I, I had periods of my life where I was very confident. I think as, as a little kid, I was very shy. Uh, maybe that was a lack of confidence. I kept to myself, but I don't know that I... I definitely didn't have anxiety then. Uh, I don't think I had insecurity then. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Maybe that's what drove me to draw more and skate, be a, be, be a better skateboarder. I, I was following that path in life, being a professional skateboarder for a while. I was getting pretty good. That's a story for another time. But I would like to talk about a confident period in my life. All throughout last few years of high school, most of college, after a few years after, I had a good confident streak. Uh, there was there was one time where confidence paid off. I was out of college, living uh, back at my parents' house in Columbia, Maryland, and uh, I was bartending, partying a lot, having a lot of fun, living the life. And uh, Columbia went dry, no weed. And uh, I didn't like that. I needed some. I wanted some. I don't know if I needed it. I wanted some. Uh, I liked always having some. So it was there when I wanted it, which was probably every day. So maybe I did need it. But I had a, a college buddy who still lived down in Baltimore. Um, called him up. He happened to have some. So I was like, I got nothing to do tonight. I'll come down. We'll chill grab a bag, drive back to Columbia. Now, the road I would take would, uh, is 95. 95 North, major, major artery highway. Goes from, I think, all the way down in the Florida Keys, all the way up top of the East Coast. So anyone on the East Coast knows 95. So I hop on that, going to Baltimore, get to my friend's house. He always asks me to drive him to get him some fast food. I don't eat the crap. He wanted it. Sure, I take him to KFC. He loves KFC. Take him there, come back, pack a bowl, catch up, get my bag. It's not too late. I don't want to be out too late. I think I got work the next day. Maybe I got a lunch shift or something. So I head home. Um, I'm dressed like an idiot because in college I was an idiot. I was big into Cypress Hill, House of Pain, Ice Cube. Um, Also, I want to say, no, I might have just gotten back from the gym and had had time to change, but that's not the truth. I think I was just dressing like an idiot. Baggy jeans. I had on a plaid flannel, probably... Top two buttons, buttoned only. Probably a thermal underneath it. These were the grunge days. Uh, Bandana on my head. I was a Jewish wannabe cholo. So uh, I've got this little SUV I'm driving. 
I'm heading back. I I I'm jamming. Probably Mob Deep's Infamous was out, and I was just rocking. I had the bowl out. I was puffing, driving, jamming. Um, in my rear view, I see the lights, the cop lights. They flash on. Whoop whoop. Fuck. My car is full of weed smoke. I've got a bag on me, probably a quarter ounce. Not a huge amount, but enough to give me a giant pain in the ass. And a bowl. Uh, I start rolling down my windows as I'm pulling over, letting as much air get in. I throw the bag in my pocket. I was smart enough to to do that. I'm pretty sure that that's the safest place to have it because if they search your car, it's on you. And I don't think they can just search you the way they search your car. But I threw the bowl in the glove compartment. Uh, and uh, now I'm pulled over, cops walking up, and I'm like, Fuck, I should have put that bowl in my pocket. I was worried about it smelling. Um, it's it's winter, so it's very cold out. So I'm hoping that that cold air really flushed out my car. I didn't have power windows. So I'm thinking about this. They've got their lights on behind me. They can probably see the silhouette of me reaching around my car, rolling down windows, rolling up windows. This probably looks very suspicious. Uh, they come, One cop comes up to the to me while I see two other cops' flashlights all in my car. And um, I'm getting nervous now, and I'm really playing this through in my head. All right, it's not that much weed. It's not going to be that much trouble. It's going to be a giant pain in the ass. Definitely going to spend the night in jail. I'm going to have to call my parents. They're going to have to bail me out. That's going to be fun. This is going to cost a good bit of money. That'll be fun, which I don't have, so my parents will have to help me out there, which would be awesome. And uh, it's going to go on my record. Probably going to have probation, which will be a pain in the ass. It'll just be a pain in the ass. It won't be awful. It'll just be a pain in the ass. Giant pain in the ass. So the cop comes up to me. Um, License, registration. Do you know why I pulled you over? And I I was flying. I mean, let's be honest. I I wasn't obeying the speed limit. I had rap music playing in my car. I was getting high. I was having I was having a party. So, um, I say, uh, was I going too fast? Knowing full well I was going too fast. Um, yes. And the cop explains to me that we have a lot of drug trafficking in this area. And we pull uh, cars over at random to make sure they're not trafficking any drugs between Baltimore and Washington, which is what this highway would be for. Uh, I look like an idiot the wannabe Jewish cholo. And so I'm realizing, all right, he's making a judgment call based on my appearance, rightfully so. You know, I guess profiling profiling serves somewhat of a purpose. So he says to me, do you mind if we search your vehicle? Now, uh, I'm an idiot. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, I just got to give in to this guy. I just got to cave. I just got to cave and swallow this bullet. So I say to him, well, do you really have a need to search my car? Um, No, but we'd like to. And these other two cops are still flashing their lights all around, looking inside. And um, I'm sure they're thinking, I'm I'm alone, um, that there's probably something in there. And there was, but they're looking for some weight. And I don't have weight on me. So I'm thinking maybe this cop's just going to be like, 
All right, douchebag. We're keeping your weed. Go the fuck home. Don't do this again. So I start to unbuckle my seatbelt. I'm like, okay, all right, all right, fine. And I'm just like, all right, here it comes. I'm a, I, I'm opening the door. I've got one foot out and, and I'm light. I, I This confidence I had no idea I had came up. And I realized he's really ba- making a judgment call based on my appearance. I don't know. I didn't premeditate this. I don't know where it came from. I looked up at the cop in the eyes and I said, you know what? I'm a college graduate and my dad's a lawyer. I'm thinking I'm going to let him know I'm educated. I'm also going to let him know my dad's a lawyer. So I know a little bit more about the law than the average, average person might know. And I know enough. I say this to the cop. I know enough to to say that you really have no reason to search my car unless there's probable cause or you have a warrant. So I'd really prefer you not to search the car. I pull my leg back in, I close the door, and I look at the cop's stone face. This is not in my nature. I don't know where this came from. My id, my my ego, my whatever the in my my little voice inside of me is like, what the fuck are you doing? That bowl is two feet from you. Now you're gonna make this cop angry. He's not just gonna let you go for having a quarter. As I'm as I'm running this down in my head, the cop looks me back, says, "Okay, sir, have a good night," and they walk away. My heart was pounding. And they get back in their car and they pull off. And I start howling with laughter and excitement. I got off. I was a lucky motherfucker. Confidence paid off. I felt fucking good. I was so damn lucky. That pain in the ass, that next three to four years of bullshit I had to deal with, gone. I saw the cops fade off into the distance of the night highway. I pulled out that bowl. I put a flame to it. I took a big puff, put Mob Deep back on, and went home one lucky motherfucker. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I think I think I like that Ink Pulp Audio. Simple, catchy. It'll be a nice logo. Um, yeah, so I just wrapped up a uh, short Avengers story for Marvel, and I want to talk a little bit about Deadline Life. Um, comics is all consuming, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's a safe bet to say everyone in comics feels this. Uh, I had a nice little month. Con- balancing conventions and work is kind of tricky, but I, I-, I finished a uh, three-issue arc in Deadpool, and 
Then I had Heroes Con in North Carolina, which is one of my favorite cons. And if you haven't been, you should definitely go. It's one of the best cons, and Shelton runs one of the best shows. And uh, then I had a show in Miami, Supercon I do every year. They fly me down for that one. That's a real good time as well. And then after that, I had San Diego. Um, So I had a good month of travel there. Right before I left for the first con, that was Heroes Con? Yeah. I got a a job, a short story, Avengers. Um, And it was a nice cushy deadline. And I knew I probably wouldn't get too much done until after San Diego. So I took it. It's exciting. Get away from Deadpool. Get to draw Captain America. And... um, I get back from San Diego, and uh, my family, who's been missing me for a month, is excited, so I spend a day with them, and I get to work. And uh, I'm burning the candle at both ends for three three weeks, seven days a week, minimum of 12 hours at the table, drawing, drawing, drawing. I'm taking care of little things around that, and as the deadline approaches, I'm getting less and less done. Bills are piling up. Laundry's piling up, dishes are piling up, um, kids are getting a little, uh, where's daddy? I don't want to be the absent father, explain to them, got the deadline, they're usually cool with that, it puts them on pause for a little while. Wife's getting a little stressed, and uh, life is hard, and uh, I'm probably going to have to talk to some comic book wives, because this deadline lifestyle can be pretty oppressive. So, I got it done. Got it done right in on time, landed that plane smoothly, and then I got to spend, you know, a solid three days catching up. The first thing I do, we uh, had a nice celebration with the family, went out for a real nice steak dinner to Chops Lobster Bar in Atlanta, one of the best steakhouses that I've ever been to. I took the kids to Legoland, and my wife and I, for our 40th, went and got tattoos, which was nice. Um... You know, a little midlife crisis never hurt anyone. Uh, that's kind of what this podcast has been talking about a little bit. So uh, it felt good to do that. It felt good to act young. So catching up from everything, spent the day cleaning, and now i got to catch up on this podcast. I think this is going to be good. I think it's going to do well, and I hope you all enjoy listening. So uh, during San Diego Comic-Con, I got a few of these done. I got a really nice one done with... Uh, Mr. Sean Murphy, an old friend of mine, uh, we had a nice chat about atheism, uh, leading into his Punk Rock Jesus book, which he wrote and drew, and we had a nice discussion. So that's to follow. Uh, there's a little little thing I want to talk about here. Sean had really wanted this book colored, understandably. The market's very focused on color, uh, and DC ultimately decided to go with black and white, and they printed this book on really nice um, matte paper. The black ink laid into it so beautifully. It feels like like a comic book. N- not, not a new comic book, but what, what, I, what I love about comics. And just seeing this book in print gave me such... I got chills. I got excited for him. Um, just having punk rock in the title, it, it kind of felt like that's what this... the. Uh, the book looked like and felt like. It's beautiful. It's well done. It's well written. Sean did a really nice job. I recommend it to anyone and everyone. But, you know, sometimes you wish for one thing in life and you get something else. And uh, 
I can't even think of the old saying, but um, sometimes what you don't want turns out to be what's better. I really think if this book were in color, uh, it wouldn't have gotten some of the attention it got. And it was really the buzz of the con convention in San Diego. Nice to see. And uh, good luck, Sean. That book's going to do real well for you. So here we are, me and Sean Murphy, talking about his life, atheism, and punk rock Jesus. Are you ready to do this? Sure. All right. Um, welcome to what's now being called the Ink Pulp Podcast. Um, thought about Ink Pulp sketches. Is that that's kind of pretentious? That's good. No, no you like that? Uh, or how pulp. about just simply Ink Pulp Audio? Ink Pulp Audio. It has a nice ring to it. Yeah. I mean, anything can be good. Could be good if you market it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got yeah, I got a I got a guy working on logos and everything. Really. Yeah, is yeah. that guy ye Sean Crystal? Well, I'm doing the the drawings, like I'm designing them, but he's going to actually build it in vector because I oh, okay. don't want to do that. Um, but it's three it's three business things I'm building is the this, the uh, inking tumbler, the ink mm -hmm. pulp bliss black label ink society, yeah, and then just my cartoon business. So the logo will be consistent, and I it's. It's a skull with the three rings on the forehead. Okay. And then I'll have headphones for the podcast on the skull. Okay. And for the ink one, I have crossbones, but the crossbones are a brush and a quill. Right. And for me, my cartooning business, it's just the skull. Okay. Did you pick the skull because of your Hot Topic ring? It, yeah. Um, well, I went to Hot Topic <laughs> and um, I, I said I want to look 14 and emotionally disturbed. <laughs> No, the three rings are my, my son got me a necklace for my birthday one year. It was just no, okay. four rings. Yeah. And he said, the big ring is daddy, mm -hmm. then mommy, yeah. then Zoe, then him. No, that's great. And now so, I feel really bad. I like that. No. No, make okay. fun of my family. It's good. All right, let's get into it. Um, but in full disclosure, I've known Sean for 10 years, and yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten in without him. I was at SCAD in Savannah, and we were at this club. And he, we hit it off talking about the same movies. And he brought me to a convention, which I've never heard of before. Right, I remember that, yeah. We went together. He, he showed me how the ropes worked and introduced me to the right people. And none of the professors at SCAD Savannah ever told me that stuff. So if it wasn't for you, I might be you know, cleaning car windows right now. Well, so. I, thank you. I appreciate that. But with your okay. talent, I think something else would have happened. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, me and Sean go way back. And uh, I, what I do is I, rec I'll, I will, I haven't yet, record an intro okay. and an outro. And I'm going to talk pretty in depth about our, our uh, friendship and how long we've known each other. But, we don't really have a friendship. I just said that you right, helped me. Right. No, no, you yeah. called me a friend. Did no, I? No, we're not friends. <laughs> well, I don't have a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can delete that out. Right. Of course we're friends. We've been staying in, staying in the same room and... 
we uh, unveil all of our insecurities to each other and like, am I crazy? I don't think people are going to like my Deadpool. And did I, I get the know. job? Did I not get the job? I don't think I got the job. I don't think they like it. Like, I think Jesus is a public domain character. Can I use him in a book? <laughs> and you're Jewish, so you're like, I don't give a shit what you do. <laughs> well, we're at San Diego Comic-Con. We've been by the pool uh, having a few drinks. And um, clearly, <laughs> right? But uh, uh, the, the focus today... <laughs> Um, what I'd like to talk about with you generally is atheism. Ah. Uh, what's motivated me to sort of start the podcast is I recently turned 40, and uh, I've got a, a lot of existential questions about life. I have a lot of questions about career and family and the pursuit of happiness and all, all that stuff. Uh, and I always find I have conversations with friends to try to find answers. Yeah. And I thought recording these might be interesting. So... Atheism is a topic, but I also want to um, get into um, a punk rock Jesus, mm-hmm. the inspirations for punk rock Jesus, your thoughts on atheism, and also your relationship with their mother, your mother and her religious beliefs. Right. Okay. So, do you want to start there in childhood? And let's get into it, man. All right. And I got to say, you know, when I did the book, I thought I would get more flack, and while I am getting flack, I'm not getting the flack that I thought I'd get. So. I do interviews and I'm always anxious for those hot topic questions and I unfortunately don't get them. Sometimes by design, people don't want to talk about that because a lot of review sites are Entertainment Weekly of comics. They wouldn't quite call it hard-hitting journalism, for example. Right, right. It's just fan fan stuff. This stuff. like I love that because you know you're an artist, you know what it takes, you spend a lot of time in a room drawing as well, you know, and you can ask the questions that other people just aren't equipped to ask, you know? Yeah, and that's uh, this podcast is not 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 a fan podcast. It's yeah. not for any discussion on continuity. Um, yeah. Very little discussion on craft, but more about who you are and what your beliefs are. Thanks, buddy. Yay! <laughs> All right, so tell me, um, growing up, um, was your your mother very religious? Yeah, um, actually. Uh, I was forbade from watching Thundercats because Lion-O is Lord of Thundercats. Oh, really? And uh, because there's only one true Lord, and that's Jesus. Wow. I couldn't watch that. It goes and deep. We, and then we would turn on um, Superman 1 or 2, and uh, Superman slept with Lois Lane uh, in one of those, maybe both. And uh, when they were in those silvery blankets in the Fortress of Solitude, my mother would pause it and just yell like, Hey, because you're they're not married and you're not supposed to do that before you're married. And I love Superman, but I thought I and I love my parents, so there was this conflict very early on. And um she was Baptist, my dad was Catholic, and I we were my sister and I were Catholic. So we followed that doctrine. But there's always kind of that, that conflict early on and she was kind of blindly loyal to a lot of it. Whereas my father was trained in science, so he had like a healthy relationship with religion. Right. I, I would say. So, was there a lot of repression growing up? Um, uh, I mean, not compared to some, but I, you know, I had a guilt complex as a you know Irish Catholic in New England. Um, you know, I, I had a uh, let's go. Let's, I recently learned this phrase: a whore Madonna complex. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm glad you. All right, my my wife actually explained this to me recently because I'm very black and white with people. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like either you're my best friend or I, I hate you and I go for the throat. <laughs> and with women, it's the same way. It's like, oh yeah, we're cool. We're hanging out in a bar. What's that? You dated a married man? Fuck you. And now I'm going to embarrass you. <laughs> so it was, it was, yeah, that might have been milked by it, but I'm a very black and white type of guy. Even when I was religious, I was pretty black and white. Like I knew the teachings of the Bible, at least as I saw them. And I was trying to save myself uh, from having, you know, to be a, mer- uh, a virgin when I was married. And I went a good, like until I was 20, I was, I was going strong, you know, and you know, really trying to be black and white. And I would, I would end up going to church alone um, because I, I thought I believed in it so much. And even though I'm not uh, religious anymore, now I'm an atheist, I'm still very black and white. Like the right. brain pattern was kind of set up just with everybody from an early age, you know? Right. And some of my friends now, they're, they're not surprised by my, my choices, which is, you know, pretty cool. But Yeah, so um, did you have instincts early on in life that... You know, when your mom's turning off Superman, you explained you were confused because you love Superman, but you love your parents. So what, did you feel like your your mind had was expressing feelings of its own that were contradictory to what your parents were telling you? No. I, I was a mama's boy and a, a perfect child. I didn't act out. And I didn't really use the brain that God, quote unquote, had, had given me. I was just accepting what, doing what adults told me. Okay. And I didn't. I, I I did okay in school. I mean, I got A's and B's, but I was just re- reciting the facts, taking tests. But my SATs were just okay. Uh, and it wasn't until um, I got to college, art school, obviously is very left and very progressive. Right. And eventually, after a while, um, I just started asking more questions, and uh, I ended up living with a buddy, Zach Howard, who was an atheist. He would ask me questions. So when you moved in with Zach, you were still religious? Yeah, I had I graduated college in Savannah. Uh-huh. I had gotten some Star Wars gigs at that time. And uh, I had gone to a few Methodist uh, super churches in Georgia. Right. Yeah, I and, think I remember this about you. And uh, then I moved to L.A. and I, my friend hooked me up with a, a kind of super church out there. And I tried my best, and I hit that point where I was really having a lot of doubt. And I, I even enrolled in some classes about people who are struggling with faith. In, and they, in L.A.? Yeah. All right, let's pause here, because okay. I want to get to this. Um, this is the bridge to the next portion, but before we okay. cross that bridge, okay. um, what, what role did art play in this religious life of yours? What, were you wrestling with with? What were you, what was your draw to art? I don't know, man. I mean, I my I, you know, when I say I was raised uh Christian and I'm not I'm not trying to fault my parents because they did a lot of things right. And one of the things they did right was support being an artist, mm-hmm. which is not something everybody has in art school. <clears throat> and um uh Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out if growing up as religious as you were, if you felt a pull from your interests in drawing and art. I I started collecting comics, and I wanted in you know in the in the '90s, like we all did, I guess of our age. Mm-hmm. And I, I I thought I wanted to do it, and I never really had a conflict between wanting to draw and what you're supposed to do if you're a religious person by spreading the word of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think, uh, you know, I was reading, you know, Blankets years ago, and Craig Thompson had something in there about, like, maybe I can draw, like, Jesus comics. Like, maybe I can fit in right. my passion and fit what God wants me to do at the same time. And so, you had those feelings? Yeah, to some degree. I, okay. I connected a lot with, with that part of the book. Okay. And, um, you know, moving to LA and then from there moving in with Zach, who's an atheist, who's asking me very blunt questions, it, it really fell apart with me really quickly. And, um, you know, within a month, I had given it up and All I right. had this sort of unwinding. Okay, so let's cross the bridge. So, right, in okay. LA, uh-huh. you start going to classes for people who are starting to question their faith? Yeah, they basically had a class that was teaching uh, this book, uh, Mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, these is, were like church classes? Yeah. Okay. If you're feeling doubt, you go to the church and they find a way to reel, reel you back in. And uh, the book, the go-to book was Mere Christianity by um, oh, E.B. White. I don't know. Talking to a Jew it's over not here. Tolkien. It's one of those Jew people. atheists. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, well, it's the go-to for a lot of these. Because E.B., if it's not E.B. White, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Well, whoever it is. All right, E.B. White, and because he wrote all this other stuff, he's considered an expert in something, and because he wrote this book, Mere Christianity, he had these chapters called, like, The Law of Human Goodness. And basically, we know that Christianity is true because every human is basically good. Therefore, uh, Jesus is is real and he loves you. Therefore, God is real. They make these huge leaps. And it's funny because they slung this book at me. And even though I was ignorant at the time, I had a pretty... Well, I had, I had a brain that worked pretty well, right? And they would they would say things like, um, either Jesus Christ was a liar, or he was God's son. Therefore, we know he's not a liar. Therefore, God he's God's son and God's real. And on to the next chapter, <laughs> and they call that like the law of something or other. Which isn't like a scientific law, like gravity, right? Right. <laughs> and every time they would like skip forward, I was like. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. How do we know he wasn't crazy? Put your on. How do we know he was real? Right. And their class to convert me back into it actually did a lot to, to, to right. harm it. That's what I was going to ask. It yeah. seems like by this point, you were very much a self-thinker. Yeah. And that going to the class kind of showed you a lot of inconsistencies yeah. that made you question things even more. Exactly, yeah. So how, what's going on between you and your mother at this point as you're starting to question religion? We, we didn't really talk that much. I was really close with my dad, who was Catholic, and uh, you know I s- s- talked to my mom. I still sometimes do. Um, and we don't really get that deep into it. Um, she's, because I know she's never going to listen to this, She's a simpleton, and uh, you know it, it is what it is. My dad loves her, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my sister and I have a lot of reservations about the whole thing. So your sister and you think a lot alike. I've discovered lately that we really do, and um, I I don't know if she would uh, identify herself as an atheist or um, agnostic, agnostic, or right. uh, you know a secular thinker. Okay, but okay. she's closer to me than my parents realize. But because I label myself as atheist, I take the brunt of the criticism. Right, and I'm the oldest, so I'm fine with that. Okay, all right. So we're we'll, we're getting get there. Okay, that's where we're heading. Um, all right. So L.A. <laughs> classes on um, people who are having a crisis of faith, and mm-hmm. that drives you further away. But you're still believing to some of it. 
Well, I decided at that point because I started to read more. I was into science at that time. Uh-huh. Again, let's just do let's just do an experiment. I'm just gonna just shut it off for a few months. Just take a break. If God gave me this brain, I'm having doubts. Certainly, He can understand me testing this out. But taking a break, right? So I tried it, and uh, at the time, I, I ran out of money. I, the money I made in LA, I was living off of this book with Dark Horse called Crush. Right. And that I, was my the money was running book. Well. Was that? That was the vampire book. Yeah, for Rocket Comics, back in the. That was Rocket. That was a, that was a branch of Dark Horse Comics, right? Yeah, they were trying to do American manga. American manga, right? Right, I remember that. And uh, don't anybody listening to this? Don't go back and look at those. It's terrible. <laughs> and I know by saying that, I'm probably going to up right. the sales. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you might get a royalty check. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're in LA now. What then you go to Colorado? Yeah, I met uh, Zach Howard, who's doing the Cape now. For years, his thing was his biggest book was um, probably Shaun of the Dead. Right. He's a pretty mm-hmm. aggressive A type personality, ex Marine, really good guy, very prickly. And I would say that to his face because I'm sure he's going to listen to this. <laughs> but I love him to death, like, a, like, a, like an older brother. Anyway, uh, he said, Hey, I'm living in Denver. My parents have this house we're staying in while they're away for, you know, his dad was working in England for a few years. Okay. Stay in the basement. Pay me rent. Hang out. We'll have a studio. And we had met a few times and surfed together a bit. Right. So we knew we got along. You know, working back to back with him, and he knew, he, he had heard I was an atheist, or sorry, I was Christian, and he was an atheist. He started asking me, like, well, what proof do you have? And I would start rifling through my, like, 22 years of experience with Christianity. Right. And I realized I had no empirical evidence. You know, and he just basically he was asking me the questions that, you know, uh, priests and other people who went to the church just never asked. Like, how do you, who wrote the Bible? And I didn't know how to answer that. 22 years, I did not know how to answer that question. Right. And, and that's true with people who are religious now. Right. Uh, from what I understand, and, and I might be wrong with this, the Bible was spread by word of mouth for centuries mm-hmm. and written down centuries after. Right. The stories began, yeah. So I'm 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 imagining many inaccuracies. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's like my my wife is religious. She's, you know, pro gay or supportive of you know our gay friends in New York. Right. Pro women's rights. Pro you know right to choose. Anti you know the people who are science deniers. She's she you know. She does not understand that at all. Right. And she's so loosely. She calls herself a Christian, but. If you told her that Jesus was, you know, some, you know, uh, inventor who fooled everybody into thinking that he walked on water, she's fine with that. It okay. doesn't it doesn't take away at all from her faith because it just right. comforts her to believe that there's an afterlife. Right, and, and I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And actually, to be honest, like that's the strongest argument that a Christian could have. Is anything I throw at them, they're like, "Fine, I don't give a shit." If that's not true, I don't care because it's spiritually fulfilling. I choose to believe it because right. it makes me happier. So leave me alone. Yeah, like that's, that's the only defensible the, exactly. <laughs> defensible all the questions position. stem from that. It all stem. We had this conversation before, which maybe we'll we'll have towards the end of this again. But it, it all boils down to: so what's the point of our existence? Yeah. And the simple science of it would just say. To perpetuate the species, and when you die, you're you're done. It's it's, it's yeah. you're over your fertilizer. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have a hard time 
yeah. accepting that. That's that, to believe that your individual life really has little meaning yeah. except to close few people around you. Yeah. But in the big picture, you perpetuate the species. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. So you move in with Zach. He's he's yep. drilling you. Yeah. Um, and, and you're and you're starting to at this point you're you're interested in science and you're using logic a lot in yeah. life, which side note I think comics being a comic book artist is all about logic. When when we have critiques thumbnails, it's all about logic. Right. You know how do you, does logic will tell you how to get from A to B to C to D through the right. panels and what you need to show. It's just logic. Right. Um, but logic I understand that can be difficult. But um, that's a sidetrack. So you're you're into science and you're a cartoonist, so you're using logic a lot more. And you're with Zach now. So at mm-hmm. what point, like you're 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 transitioning? And what what what's the final? I'm now atheist moment. I uh, was reading a book about ancient Egypt, the pyramids who were whom were built by slaves, many of them Jewish. Uh, a lot of Sean crystals building pyramids. And uh, those people probably, well, you know, a lot of them were Egyptian as well, I'm sure. Right. They were probably, if you gave them a polygraph, they would probably pass saying that Horus is real. Otherwise, why would they be building these things, you know? Wait, the Jews? No, not no, the, the Jews. Egyptians. Egyptians, yes. yes. Yeah. yes. Or if, if you, yeah, we'll just say they're all, a lot of the Egyptians who were running the show, half of, I've, I think like some of them were helping build the pyramids. There were a lot of slave Jews who were building them too. Right, but just to pull the Egyptians who were helping, if you poly, you gave them a polygraph, gave them a, a lie detector, and said, "Is Horus real?" and they said, "Yeah," they would come out. They would come across as these people actually believe it. Right. Why else would they be building this these things? Right. And you look at these 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 pyramids now, seven wonders of the world. Right, and they're not even going to see it finished in their lifetime right. as they're working. Like that kind of blind devotion is clearly important to progress in a, in a fucked up way right but i thought you know they thought they would have taken a you know they, they went to the grave knowing knowing quote unquote but really i mean thinking they, right. they thought it was true they, they went to the grave exactly i said well what's different now versus then like i'm going off of my parents told me what society says i'm not even building a pyramid but i think it's true these right. people were six times as driven building this insane structure that has no point really Right. Especially how we no one believes in Horus anymore. Right, the religion is obsolete now, and right. it's not like the wrath of the Egyptian gods came down. And yeah, yeah. Just so, decimated. But if I pass a polygraph saying that Christianity is true, how does that make me any different than some Egyptian slave? Right. You know, it, it really. And the more you learn about history, like long form history, for me, the clearer it was that it's probably man made, and. Uh, it fell apart for me with like within a month. Okay, you know, like my, my the logical part of my brain took over, and I was like, I just basically unwound all the. I, I don't mean to use this word because it's it's a negative word for the most part, but I will say brainwashing. Okay, for twenty two years. Well, I, I mean, do do you feel that that that's what's going on? Uh, if you look at the definition in the dictionary of a cult. Right, it's something like a group of people that believe something. You could call Christianity a cult. You pull out Webster and define it to a Christian, like, "Is this what you are?" And they say, "Yeah, it is a cult." Right, and we usually reserve that word for people who are following, you know, Charles Manson. 
Right. But by definition, you could make an argument that every religion is a, a big cult. Or yeah, yeah, I can see I, that. And I don't mean in a negative way. And anybody listening who, who's religious, I I really don't mean any offense. But if you do crack the dictionary open, you, you do have You'll to accept that. that that word can be right. applied to you. And and to the back to the brainwashing term, does I don't know much about Christianity. Does it, it embrace questions and challenge no. thinking? Blind blind faith is applauded. Okay, and that's why there's been the struggle with. You know, science and Darwin and evolution. Right, right. Okay. Okay, so now you're in Colorado. Yep. And uh, you have become a, a full-blown atheist at this point. Yeah, I was, um, I, when I realized, I took a, I was, so I had taken my break. I'm just going to give this some time. Moved to Colorado, to Denver. Met with Zach. I'm living with him for like eight months straight. You know, and halfway in, and he didn't, harangued me with questions. He just floated out a question every now and then. Just like he would float out, like, hey, why are you using that tick mark? Right. Why are you feathering this way? Right. Oh, well, you know, there are Jim Lee comics I read that told me I should do this. Yeah, but why? And he's right to ask me those questions. Yeah, no, that's good. And just that's as good. he prodded me with inking questions, he would ask a religious question every now and then. And uh, I, had a, I had a good brain, so I, it, I, I came, I didn't fight it. I admitted to him, hey, man, you're right. I don't have any evidence. Hey, you're right. I was taught this since I was young. Like I didn't put up a fight like mm-hmm. a lot of people might have. So it came down kind of quickly for me. Okay. Um, and at this point, what's going on between you and mom? I didn't. Well, you know, I don't talk to her a lot. And again, it was, any conversation we had was pretty vapid. Well, let me ask you this: At what point did the not talking to her a lot come in play? Well, my when when I was about to move out. Of, from Zach and moved to Massachusetts, I flew my dad out to help me drive across. All right. uh, and uh, so he came and he stayed with us and we went on a hike and we're driving across the country from you know Denver to uh, New Bedford, uh, Massachusetts. And I would hit him with the same questions that Zach had hit me with. And I found that my father, this man I've respected my whole life, and I still do, he had very bad answers to these questions. And okay. I, at this time, was very angry, and I felt like I had like donated all this money to the church, given up Sunday mornings. Okay. So My brain had sweated. Over, I was trying to remain uh, sol- um, to, to maintain being a virgin until I was married. Right. All this energy put into it. And this it is just, when you're moving to New York? To Massachusetts. Ma- from I'm sorry from Denver to Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I thought you went right to New York. Okay. No, I went Denver, Mass, and then Mass to back to LA, and then LA to New York. Okay. All right. So your dad. So at this point, you're an atheist. You're driving with dad, yeah. and you, you you got some probably anger. I'm guessing. I, I went for the throat. Okay. You know, being black and white, I I just was like, you, I don't know, 40, 50 years old. You studied this for fifty years. I'm asking you basic questions, and his answer after you know, half hour was, well, you should really talk to a priest. I said, well, you know what? You think you're going to spend an eternity in, after, in, in heaven. Why don't you know the answers to these questions? I was pissed, like really pissed right. off. You felt like you had been lied to. And, yeah. Okay. And, and he was not as confrontational as I am. And uh, I've learned since then to just, you know, play it cool a little bit. Mm-hmm. So but did there this was strain ad- the relationship with that? I had to adjust a lot. And I, I still love him and respect him. But there's things about science I know that he doesn't know. 
Okay. And I'm not trained. He supposedly is. Right. Okay. And so then I'm guessing he went and talked to you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what happened. Oh, he told me, wow, this atheism thing is just a phase. Right. And I immediately was like, you think so? <laughs> but I feel more secure knowing that, uh, you know, life is explained by science even the things we don't know yet, right? I've, there's more validity in that train of thinking than there is in anything I had been, I had learned for 22 years. Right. Like if Christianity, they had 22 years to convince me of it, and it didn't stick. That to me is a knockdown argument, but to him it's not. Okay, so is he's so he goes back and tells your mom about the car ride. I'm assuming he probably told her like, oh, Sean's going through a phase. Okay, and then so did mom come at you with, to talk yeah. after that? She, she, I'm sure she tried. It must. I mean, my being trained in science, I'm, I think my father had better attempts. The hers were really not convincing. In fact, this when I cited this, I think it threw her into being becoming going back into church, and now I think it would be fair to describe her as a born again. Okay. Because of me. So you're going in one direction towards atheism. She's going in the opposite direction, more born again. I think she tried to search for answers to salvage our relationship. And she she searched for them through uh, a Baptist church. Okay. And not, not knowing that that's the last thing that's going to convince me. In fact, it just dry, it reali- it makes me realize. So she's trying to quote save you at this point mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. Okay. So this puts a further strain on the relationship. I'm imagining. Yeah. And now you're going home. Well, I no. Um, they were in New Hampshire. I was moving in with a friend in Massachusetts. Okay. But you know, eight months after that, I'd moved around a lot. I uh, moved back home for a brief period. Uh huh. And. Uh, you know, it, for for the three years that unwound during that time, whenever, whenever, however long it was, you know, I realized I had less and less in common with my parents, especially my mother. And this is also when I started to develop my book, Punk Rock. Yeah. Okay, so this is around what year? Two thousand six. Okay, professionally, where were you at this point? I just finished Batman Scarecrow Year One. Okay. I finished that book. I was an atheist when I had started and finished. Oh, I was religious when I started Off-Road and okay. atheist when I ended it. But that book didn't have anything to do with religion. Right. So, so the, the next thing that you're exploring in your mind, in, in your real life, is questioning religion to the point that you become an atheist. Right. And then that inspires you to write a story dealing with some of these issues. Yeah, you know, I was so angry and, and I felt so slighted, and I, I wanted all the money back that I tithed. Right, right. And I, I, I was reading about cloning one day, and I thought, oh, if we had a clone, who would it be? Oh, it'd be Jesus. What would we do? Oh, we turn it into a reality show. This is when American Idol was happening. Right, and right. And the story wrote us, the basis of the story, the ba- yeah, it wrote itself in like five minutes. So was the cynicism because that's cynical and I'm a cynical person so I I get cynicism I love cynicism (laughs) I feed off cynicism Um, were you always cynical or was it the the questioning of religion and faith leading to atheism that birthed cynicism within you I was cynical as a believer you know I remember going to funerals and this person you know maybe died in their sleep and we would 
joke, like, oh, lucky bastard, whatever. Right, right. And we would, I mean, it was a funeral and it was solemn, but a way to deal with that grief is to joke around. And right. it's not anything that I wouldn't condone at my own funeral now. Right. It's just human nature, man. And right, it's, it's right. totally fine. And right. my family. And I find most, 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 most immigrant cultures survive with comedy and cynicism. Yeah. So the Irish, the Jews, the Italians, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone. Um, especially, yeah, I, I think, about that, the more European. Something to that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see Native Americans joking around about it. But well, then again, we did crush them. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we 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 hurt them pretty good, um, and they're not immigrants. You know, this is their area. We're the immigrants. Yeah. Um, okay, so now you're you're you're, you're you finished Batman. You're just dating punk rock Jesus. Mm. Um, your career's starting to move forward, or you're still trying to find your career at this point. I finished Batman, thinking I would get offered another DC thing, and I got. Like nothing for three years, right? And it, it, I basically. What's that like? Well, I have no idea. Oh no, I do. No, go ahead. Yeah, right? I'm sorry. There's a cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it, so go it ahead. Help. Yeah, you're right. The cynicism with religion and my work, the career, was definitely wrapped up together in a way. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, no, but you know, at the time, I was I was tried to be as photorealistic as I could, but mm-hmm. I was a big Bruce Tim fan. At that time, the word came down from the top at DC that we don't want any Bruce Tim guys at all. Yep. And uh, I I'm think sure. a lot of us, Marvel had put down the photorealism only uh, mandate, which, from what I understand, was an actual mandate. Mm. No cartooning. Right. Um, and I hear the same thing at DC. Uh, I think a lot of our school of guys who are now thriving really got hurt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of getting work, and also emotionally from this gr- growing up with you know this belief of what a comic book is and the greats and how they worked, all of a sudden none of that mattered. Make it look like a photograph in a movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. So uh, now you're in LA again. Yeah. Uh, I finished. Um, I finished Batman, and then I finished Off Road because I I stopped halfway through to do Batman. So when I'm done with that, man, I finished the rest of my book, Off-Road. And then I, I was running out of money, and I moved to New Hampshire briefly, and I taught for a bit. And I had eight grand in my bank, and uh, I uh, hooked up with my old girlfriend in L.A. I visited, and I met somebody at Golden Apple Comics who, had, who knew my stuff, and I realized, if I have eight grand, I'm going to watch that dwindle down. I might as well be here and watch it. Than be in New Hampshire where right. nothing in entertainment happens. <laughs> right. So I moved back to LA. I got the gig with uh, Teen Titans, which helped me pay rent for a while, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's also when Karen Berger first uh, contacted me to do uh, Greendale, this book that uh, ended up being done with um, Cliff Chang and Josh Dysart. Right. But it actually got me, it, it, it pinged me on. Uh, Karen's radar. Okay, and that's what helped me start the new the new group, the bulk of work that I've done in the last right, that's three or four you years. Kind of found your real voice. Yeah, in LA, uh, trying to back in LA, back in LA, right? Karen and Karen's got you're on Karen's radar, All right? Yep. Hey, it's Karen Berger. I run Vertigo. I'm like the most powerful chick in comics ever. That's not what she said, but that's what I heard. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know, uh, we're doing this book. Uh, with Neil Young 
Uh, I showed him your stuff. He likes it. We'd like to have you do some like test pages or test art of some kind. And you know, what the fuck am I doing? I just finished Teen Titans and I did this Activision gig at the time. And I, you know, I wouldn't say no to anything. Right. And that must have been pretty awesome. Yeah. You got got someone way up at the top calling you. Yeah. Okay. So um, at this point, Punk Rock Jesus is still gestating. No, I I had written a a draft of some kind, and uh, I I maybe I did some concept art for her and sent it off. In in the meantime, she said, "You know, what are you doing otherwise?" So you had actually s- s- gently pitched her this idea of punk rock Jesus. Yeah, I had some. And this is before Hellblazer and before Joe and before any of that. Before any of that. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, and she she goes, when she was looking, I mean, they're always looking for new content. Right. They're always looking to discover. And so they'll always bend an ear for somebody that, you know, you know it, it costs nothing to, 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 to listen. So um, I sent her or pitched her on the phone, some form or another, Punk Rock Jesus. And uh, she said, you know, it sounds good. could be great. But right now, the answer is no. You know, a book like that with Jesus in the title, you know, the powers that be at the time would never let that happen. You know, we're, if we did that, it would be a title change. It would be this, it would be that. And I realized, like, wow, already the title change, and you don't even have a script, you know? Yep. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to just self-publish this someday, and that's it. But I'm still happy to play the game with sure. with, with the industry. Sure. So. Okay, so shortly after you're back, you moved to New York at this point. I moved to New York. I did um, a Star Trek book with uh, IDW, um, and that was over. I started doing punk rock pages. And then I was being courted by Marvel in DC simultaneously. The Greendale, um, the Neil Young book had fallen through. Mm-hmm. They, well, no, they went forward, but they, um, I didn't make the cut. Uh, they wanted me to draw like Cliff Chang. I, I just couldn't do it, and I was fine not doing it. And I remember yelling at Karen, like, just fucking hire Cliff Chang, I'm not a machine. <laughs> and, I, I, and I say that to her face all the time, and we laugh about it now. Um, and, you know, Cliff and I had coffee, and we, we laugh about it too. But So they went ahead and did that, and um, I didn't think I was ever... I did these last sample pages for this book knowing I'm not going to get it, because they wanted me to be clean like Cliff. Right. And I'm, I tried, and I just couldn't do it. And I just purposefully went messy so I would get fired. Okay. And that's right after that, I, I got um, Hellblazer. And that's a book that allowed me to be messy. And right. that's kind of what started. That was my like, fuck it moment. And that's that's when your your loud, awesome cartoon <laughs> voice came through on the page. And things yeah. just went up from there. You got Joe. Well, I did. You, yeah, uh, Joe and Hellblazer and, um, and Vampire and all that. That's right. what people know me for now. But the the thing that happened in between that and my old work was this: I did off road, and that was was the thing I was known for. Right. I did Batman, even though it was sort of, sort of a money grab for Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and didn't get offered anything. Teen Titans, I finished it, two issues. It was on the back burner. Like I just everything I did just went into a void. Yeah. And uh, I when I w- was once again being told to draw a certain way, draw a house style, which Cliff doesn't have. But at right. the time, I, I might have thought that. Uh, I finally was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going to just fail on my own terms. And I, I hit my fuck it moment. And uh, then they said, well, let's just, why don't you do this book called Hellblazer? 
and uh, it was the perfect kind of kind of book to experiment on, and that's when I sort of found my footing again. Okay. All right. So um, you pitch punk rock, goes through a bunch of hoops. Yep. Now you're working on it. Um, for just just to go over real quickly, I, I've seen the first issue. Yep. It debuted at the show here. Uh, it's black and white. It's gorgeous. Thanks. The black and white, the, the paper stock is great. It feels like an old comic in a good way. And I don't mean yeah. that in any negative way at no. all. The, it feels like a comic book. It feels like comic books have spent a lot of time trying to feel like a movie. Yeah. And I, I, in my personal work, I've spent a lot of time trying to make it not look like a movie, but do what the medium does. Mm-hmm. And this... I'm hoping shakes things up a little bit and says, "Hey, people, let's not forget we're making comics." So I think this book does that, and and I think it'll be very well received. Thanks, man. I hope so. Uh, it was uh, to, to to plug it a bit. It was trending higher than San Diego Comic Con was on Thursday, and that's huge. I mean, then, that's huge because the con was going on. That's yeah. massive. Well, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's beaten out times ten by now. Yeah, but still, now it's a Sunday. Still, but that's amazing. But like fifteen thousand copies initial orders. I think my suspicion is we're going to go into a second printing because I've I've traveled the convention trying to buy more copies because I'm sold out and everybody was like, oh, you're like the sixth person to ask, and there's oh, zero that's left. That's great. Okay, so tell me okay. with this story. Um, how much of it comes from your experience of being religious and going to atheism? A lot. I mean, I, I said uh, in another interview that it's a it's an autobiography, like, cleverly disguised as a science fiction story. And um, but it's I'm not precious so precious about it that I won't tweak it to make a better story, to make it more fictional. Right, but it's very personal. It is. Okay. Yeah, like there's a characters that inhabit certain ways of thinking, like this Irish character, Catholic, of course, how it used to be. There's a science scientist character who's too scientific, which is how I can be. And there's this angry Jesus Christ who's just militant. It just goes for the throat. And, um, and I can still get like that sometimes. Not as much as I would, you know, two years or, or so ago, but... Right. Each one of these people, it's very easy for me to write because that's just an aspect of how I, I used to be. Awesome. You know? oh, great. So, have you spoken to your mother? Has she seen it? Does she know you're doing it? No, she refuses to read it. But she knows you're doing it. Yep. How'd that conversation go? I, I told her, I said, you know, she she bought multiple copies of Batman Scarecrow Year One to pass out to everybody in our a very small family. Right. Uh, I did off-road and I had one your mama joke in it of a friend who's, who's my friend Greg Lutz uh, Greg who's a, you know my, my best friend since age three and I actually showed his mother the script first I'm like this is a joke you're cool with this and she said yeah whatever no problem my mother wouldn't buy a single copy because of that oh, but she would support Batman and then uh, well obviously a book like this I mean she can't even hear it and Did- I, I told her I'm like this is a 99% of my life Nobody gets to write or draw their own book for, for, for right. vertigo. Very often, it's a big deal for me. If you could just accept this, maybe we would be closer. But by shutting down and ignoring it, you're shutting down, and ignoring ninety percent of what what drive what gets me up every morning. It's your choice, right? But do what you want. And I, I put it to her in very logical terms, right? And there's just very little acknowledgement of it, and she just doesn't get it. 
and she won't she won't do it. What was the conversation like when you told her, "Hey, I'm writing a book about a Jesus clone." She just she she hated it. She thought um did she get real upset? Yeah, well, she got ups- I assume she got upset, but she just shut down and just wouldn't talk about it. Okay. She told me once that well, if you're an atheist, you're never going to marry a woman who's worth a shit because who wants to be with an atheist? That's what she said. Really? And she once threatened, uh, if you have kids and I get to babysit them as their grandmother, I'm going to take them to church and, and tell them that you're wrong. And I said, well, then you're not going to have grandkids. <laughs> this is what fascinates me about fanaticism when dealing with religion. Yeah. A person will excommunicate their own child and future grandchildren based on a belief. Yeah. And just being a father, there's nothing that I I I feel is more important than yeah. my children. Re- religion, comics, nothing gets in the way of that. That's that like I said at the beginning, we're perpetuating the species if you boil yeah. it down to pure science. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my job on this planet. But you look at the book of Job, which we have in common. The Old Testament, Job was tested, hey, slaughter your kids in the name of God, and he was about to do it. Right, right, exactly. That's, that's, my mother doesn't done nearly that, but Job probably right. justifies well, her. And that, yeah, that's and not the just fanaticism. Any Jew, I mean, you know, Old Testament, man, that goes with yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Muslims, yeah. everybody. Well, yeah, three, oh, yeah. three out of the six. It was Abraham seven. taught, go kill your kid. Yeah. And then God should, there, there's a lot of comedians that have very... Yeah. Very funny retellings of that that situation. <laughs> we need to thank corrupt mothers for most of comedy today, <laughs> and, and and immigrant cynicism. Okay, so um, so issue number one's out. We're six issues long. Yep. Um, and so, will mom talk to you at all now? Uh, we had a funeral recently, and uh, my my grandmother died. Not her mom, but my father's mom, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she is giving me this funny look the whole time, and uh, we're at the cemetery. We're all putting the flowers on the casket, which is a new phenomenon the florists must love. Right. <laughs> and uh, I didn't mention atheism, my book, anything at a, an event like that. And uh, she comes up and she's like, "Well, you're an atheist, so none of this means anything to you." Thanks, mom. And I said this to her in front of everybody, priest, everybody. I'm like, thanks, mom. I really was hoping somebody would mention that because you know I'm not uncomfortable already. Wow. And I didn't even know if she was she was she was kidding, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I don't care because she just doesn't know any better. But it has cost her, me, my sister, and even my even Becky, my she lives in, who lives in Denver, ironically. Uh, she's hesitant about having kids because. Of an overbearing grandmother, or right. her, her, you know, she's just the the. I mean, you 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 have two kids, so yeah. you, you can imagine. Yeah, but you you sound like you have good parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have very good parents. Okay, well, I I mean that's the journey. Um, we're coming up close to an hour. I like to end on. I I don't. It's it's hard to label this as a question. I'm going to say something. You respond to it. I guess it is a question. Uh, I find, and, and I've said this before, I'll probably say this every time, um, in comics, I have bonded with almost everyone who I'm friendly with over music. And it boils down to three genres of music. Uh, so the question is simply, punk rock, metal, or hip-hop, or a combination of? Yeah. So where do you stand on those? 
Uh, I wouldn't claim to go head to head with anybody who was into uh, punk. I recently called you and was like, "Hey, ever heard about you know the milk uh, dead milkman?" Right. And you every right to laugh your balls off and go, "Where have you been?" But you're discovering it now. <laughs> exactly. But so you didn't grow up. But but you didn't grow up with punk rock. Did you grow up? You grew up religious. Did you grow up with metal? I'm assuming no. I grew up with the Beach Boys. Okay. And very top forty type stuff. Right. But now that you're coming out as an atheist. Yeah. You've got metal going and you've got punk rock going. Yeah, I don't know why, man. It's just uh it's just raw and I like the rawness and my my inks are raw. If there can be a connection between that and just just just, just throwing shit out there, even right. if it doesn't work, just just fucking doing it. And the DIY cool. do it yourself attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe I mean, that's you it. definitely have that. Um and you're just you're not a hip hop guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know to uh <laughs> Uh, socially claim oh Jurassic 5 yeah oh you know uh, you like some <laughs> some, some. some. And I can appreciate it for what it is but right. it just never spoke to me right. like um, yeah I get it white zombie or whatever right alright cool well I, I mean that was awesome this is good man I feel like we climbed the mountain and just it just shut off there like I'd love to do more later uh, we but, will we will yeah, yeah. I mean well, trying to it's like, hey, really? Your mom doesn't love you? All right, good night, everybody. Click. <laughs> uh, well, then tell me what you want to talk about. I, mean, okay, I just don't know. I don't know what to ask from there. I mean, I feel like you've you, you had a you've dealt with the anger. Yeah. Um, hearing about the 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 journey of of you becoming atheist. Uh, and, and ending up, I, I don't know what to ask from no, here. It seems like your no, your mother's made up her mind, and you you're yeah. you're on your side. And I feel like it's not over. It's not. And you know, I, I've got six issues coming out. I've got these apparently these boycotts in Brazil over my book. And there's a lot to that's going to unwind in reality in my head. Whatever. Maybe we can do another follow up on this the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like most now, of these need a follow up. That's good. That means yeah. you're you're good at what you're doing. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, and thanks for sharing. My pleasure, man. Finally, um, thanks for asking. Thank you. Sure. Is there anything uh, you want to plug? I mean, you're a popular artist, but just in case you, you have your website's active. Yeah, I had a new website that came out the day that Punk Rock Number One was released, and that's SeanGordonMurphy.com. Yep. My Twitter. I've got a a tweet. My a journal on Deviant, which. Ruffles a lot of feathers, which may or may not be interesting. It's interesting. Um, and your Twitter handle is Sean Murphy or Sean Gordon Murphy? One of those. I can't remember. Okay. And your Deviant is? Sean Gordon Murphy. Okay. All right. So check him out, and uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Thanks, guys. I, this is great. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. All right. Bye. Nice little interview with Sean Murphy. That <clears throat> that's obviously part of one. Uh, we got pretty uh, deep into a conversation. I noticed the time was running out, and I think it took Sean by surprise. But um, I'm sure we'll do at least one more with him. I'm sure Sean will be a reoccurring guest. He seemed to like doing it. We, me and him have a lot to talk about. We go way back, and I could see a lot of these guests repeating. Um, so look forward to that. It's nice to be able to to go to San Diego, sit in your room with the door open 
have a few drinks and knock out a podcast. It's a crazy convention. It's a nice little escape. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'm sure you all know Sean Murphy and his work, but feel free and please do check out his uh, websites. You can Google Sean Gordon Murphy. That's S-E-A-N Gordon Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. And get a, get a gander. Get those eyeballs laid down in some sweetness. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, I, got some, I got some more coming. Big hopes for the podcast. I'm still thinking Ink Pulp Audio is the way to go for the title. Again, look me up. Ink Pulp, I-N-K-P-U-L-P. Or Sean Crystal, S-H-A-W-N. C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Look me up on Deviant. Uh, I got a Facebook page. Got an active Twitter account. I also run the sequential art department for SCAD Atlanta. We're gearing up for the fall quarter. I've got a lot of great and exciting stuff planned for the year. Um, all the other faculty, we're all going to we're gonna kick some butt bringing in this next generation of cartoonists. Uh, we have some nice guests coming in too, which I'll do podcasts with each of those. So look forward to some of those in the future. Uh, I don't want to say who they are yet because I want to make sure they're cool with doing this before I mention them. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned. Help, help, anybody, help us. Help, anyone help us. We're being, we're being held hostage by King Candy. We're being held hostage, hostage yes. by King Candy. Mm. What, what, is, what, what are you two doing? What's going on here? Let us go! No, I'm not going to let you go. You're going to tell me what your father's working on. Well, I'm going to go in and rewrite your code. Oh, you get sassy with me again. Ah, well... I'll put lemon drops in your eyes. Lemon drops in your eyes. Speaking of which, you're both tied up. And what do I have here? Uh... Lemon drops. For your eyes, not mine. I'm the king. Now, this is your last chance. What is your father working on? I'm giving you the silent treatment. You're a sassy little thing, aren't you? You're like Vanellope. Just sass. All sass. I'm going to rewrite your code. What about you? Nothing? Nothing? What is... What is going on? Why are my children tied up? Are you guys okay? Oh, my goodness. What is going on here? There's two innocent children tied up. Being you the imbecile! Being the king, I'm here to rescue them. They're my loyal subjects. Mom, you would never trust a man in tights. You don't look very trustworthy to me. I don't know about that. Get, get away from my children right now. I, I, I think I better be going I now. I think that's a really good idea. <laughs>